Hang my head, drown my fear, until you all just disappear. Black hole sun, won't you come and wash away the rain? Well, now you know what the inside of my truck sounds like when I turn the volume down. That shitty voice is singing some of the best lyrics ever written and ever recorded. Who knows that? Everyone should know that song. Maybe you don't know who wrote that and performed that song, um, but everyone should know the song Black Hole Sun, which is one of the best songs to come out of the 1990s grunge music era. Uh, the song is performed by the band Soundgarden, which of course gained popularity there to end the 80s and opened the door to grunge music as they got more popular throughout the early to mid-90s. Uh, really helped usher in the grunge era, along with another band, another small band, I don't know if you've, you may have heard of them, but they went by the name Nirvana. Very small band, maybe you heard them, maybe not, but we're not talking about Soundgarden or Nirvana in particular as the topic of today's pod. We're going to talk about something that's a little bit more specific and that definitely relates to Soundgarden and maybe not so much Nirvana, but you I don't feel like you can mention the grunge era without mentioning Nirvana, but I don't think that they're the best thing to come out of the grunge era. I just think they're the, probably the most popular, and uh, that's what comes to mind when you think of it. But our topic today is the lead singer of the band, Soundgarden. Can, does anyone know who that is? Do you know his name? Drum roll, please. That's right, if you guessed Chris Cornell, you're absolutely fucking right. And if Chris was still with us today, he'll probably agree that that was the worst drum roll of all time. Especially considering uh, his, his initial role in the band was the drummer and lead vocals. But soon after the band's formation, he handed off the responsibility of drumming to another member, which we will get into later in this pod. Uh, but he assumed the full-time role of lead vocals of the band Soundgarden. And folks, if you're familiar with Chris Cornell, arguably really, it really could be in, in the mix of the greatest vocalist of all time. Uh, if you're a fan of his, if you've listened to any songs by Soundgarden, uh, Chris Cornell's solo career or some of the other projects he's been in, uh, you can tell the man had serious range. Uh, he, could, he could hit high notes that just really seem impossible. Uh, I was watching this video uh, last night about someone uh, putting him on a scale and he is trying to hit this high note. Now, I can't, I can't remember what the note is, but when they put it uh, when they put it up against some kind of simulator, uh, he ends up pushing like two or three notes above that and holds it. And it's, it's just insane. The man the man had such great vocals. And that's why he's considered one of the greatest vocalists of all time. He's definitely in the top, top three, and I, I don't know, I, I almost, I'd have to write names down, but I want to say he could easily take my number one spot as the best vocalist of all time, That, in my opinion. But his, uh, his music, uh, including solo career and the bands he's been with, means a lot to me and my family. We're huge Chris Cornell fans, so to be able to make this pod um, specifically about him 
I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to open some doors to talk about some good music, good memories, and some other topics uh, for future pods. So folks, before we begin, I just want to continue to show my gratitude for you guys, uh, just due to all the support that you guys have given me in this show. Um, you guys have continued to give me great feedback. I mean, this week alone, I've had a couple co-workers, shout out to Justin and, and Isai, uh, talking to me about the show, telling me how much fun they're having listening to it um, and sharing it with the the people around them. It, it's, it means so much to me. And it's little, it's little conversations like that that make me want to continue to hit the record button and continue to um, put this content together for y'all. Um, everyone who's been on the Facebook page, uh, the Twitter page, and email... Uh, you guys, and, and, and all the interactions on Spotify, the Q&As and the polls, you guys continued, I, I want to make, I want to continue to make this interactive for you guys. Um, so continue to utilize those and I try to make them, you know, a little light and have some humor to them guys. Uh, but I love hearing your feedback um, on Spotify in particular, Stephanie. I appreciate you responding and telling me that you love the episode. And I haven't forgot. You said you haven't watched Breaking Bad. I am a little disappointed. You're going to have to watch that before before our next get-together. But let's not waste too much more time. If you like the show, if you love what you're listening to and you love hearing it, be sure to like it on all socials and follow it on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, If you haven't already, guys, and if you're loving the content, Whatever platform you're using, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, consider giving it a five-star rating on either platform. Whichever one you're using would be greatly appreciated. Continue to hit me up with the feedback. And guys, let's not waste any more time with my ramblings because we know they can go on forever. Uh, but let's get into the man of the hour, the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Cornell. everybody welcome back to all screws loose thoughts unhinged as you know i am your host jose escamilla something very special for you guys today this is a series i think i'm going to start and it may not be released in back-to-back pods um, but it's a series that i think i'm going to try to pick up every few weeks i'm going to label it i'm going to title it rather the gone too soon series um going to talk about musical artists or uh, actors or some form of uh, athlete, someone in entertainment that I think that I followed that uh, was taken from us too soon, uh, as the title explains. But this first installment of the series will be discussing the legacy of Chris Cornell. Now, everybody, if you haven't figured it out, I'm a huge metalhead. I love metal, I love rock music, alternative uh, but don't get me wrong, I do get into a lot of other genres, uh, rap, country, hip-hop, uh, even some of that Mexican music, you know, ah uh, but I always do seem to come back to something pretty heavy, something with a distorted guitar and some, and some uh, heavy drums. But there are other genres that we will be covering uh, very, very soon. Um, but I just thought that today was it was fitting to go ahead and continue with go back to music. We've been on movies, uh, 
in a couple sports uh, for a couple weeks now. So let's switch gears back into music and start this journey that began in 1984, which as a big, I wouldn't say a big Soundgarden fan, but as a big Chris Cornell fan, I've always known that he was the lead singer of Soundgarden, but I I didn't know that the band had formed in 1984. I thought this was a band that, you know, formed in the early 90s. Um, but no, the band had already been around for 10 years before uh, Black Hole Sun, which is what kind of introduced the band to the world. Uh, they'd been around for 10 years before that song came out. But before we talk about the three main acts that Chris uh, is most popular for, does anybody know what those three projects are? If you do, drop a comment. Drop a uh, let me know in the uh, in the Q and A on Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to. Let let me know like, hey, yeah, I did know the three, or and name them, or no, I did. I knew two out of three, or one out of three, or whatever. Um, but of course, we discussed Soundgarden. I think everyone knows the band Audio Slave, and another band that you probably some of you may not know that you know, but if you heard at least one of the songs, their most popular song, you'll know what I'm talking about. But Temple of the Dog, uh, which is a just like Audio Slave, it's a it's a super group of other uh, other members of another band. But those are the three acts that he is most popular most popularly known for, and with those three alone, has sold over 30 million records. 30 million. My goodness, what a career, what a legacy, definitely well-deserved. And as I've talked about earlier, if you don't know, Chris Cornell is no longer with us. Um, he passed away in May, on May 18th of 2017. Um, his life came to a tragic end when he died by suicide by hanging. And he was actually on on a tour with Soundgarden, and while on tour is when he decided that uh, he was going to take his own life, unfortunately, which just shows you just how how impactful depression and anxiety and other factors can have on a person. You know, they seem to be, you know, at the top, at the peak of their of their lives and careers and happiness. In a snap, they're gone uh, because these things creep back up and they take a hold on on somebody and just wreak havoc. Um, another person who Chris was actually close with, who unfortunately also took his own life, uh, Chester Bennington, who's most famously known for being uh, one of the lead vocals for the band Linkin Park. But we continue to honor people like them, uh, people like Chris and Chester, uh, by uh, telling the story of their legacies uh, continue to enjoy their music and art and keeping keeping their uh, their memories alive through things like this and just listening to their music. Uh, one thing about uh, Chris and how much we do love Chris Cornell and the Escamilla household, uh, our two-year-old son uh, has an elf on the shelf that we bring out every year, you know, Christmas time. Uh, and his name, the name of the elf is Cornell. And those of you who are parents and uh, and have do participate in the Elf on the Shelf every year, you know the sheer panic of waking up at seven fifteen in the morning. 
you're already running late for work, and the, you can hear the the kid in his room uh, rummaging around. And you're like, "Oh shit, I forgot to move the elf." Oh fuck! I can't tell you how many times I've we've used the excuse of, "Oh no, Cornell got stuck at the North Pole, or he just couldn't make it. Could come down. He had to stay with Santa uh, because Daddy had about a drink one too many before he came to bed and forgot to move the damn elf." But uh, but Chris Cornell definitely, truly, accurately, this is an accurate statement, I believe, that he is a once-in-a-lifetime voice. I mean, have you ever tried to sing accurately? Have you ever tried to sing just like Chris Cornell? Sing one of his songs just like him? I mean, listen to me at the beginning of this pod, you know, with Black Hole Sun, which that's probably one of his most, uh, probably one of his, his most relaxed uh, songs where his voice is, isn't straining. And you still can't hit it, um, uh, but the man had such a such a beautiful voice that everything he seemed to touch uh, would turn to gold. I mean, look, you join Soundgarden, boom, plat as a gold and platinum uh, selling uh, selling band. Uh, okay, we're we that band separates, uh, joins up with some of the guys from Rage Against the Machine and forms Audio Slave, turns to gold, platinum. Uh, Another platinum band, uh, Temple of the Dog, even though they only had the one album, still receives mass popularity. I mean, hell, when Freely wasn't even a year old, I could sit him on my lap and cast YouTube to the TV and play Hunger Strike by uh, Temple of the Dog, and he would just be mesmerized. And even to this day, now that he's over two, if we're driving in the car and it comes on, he does his little headbang or head nod, maybe. As a father, I'm telling you, very proud of, you know, when he when he walked, when he, you know, we're doing the potty training thing. So I'm very proud of when he accomplishes those milestones and goals. But let me tell you, I don't know if I've ever been more proud than the first time I heard him head, or saw him headbang. I mean, that that was insane. And it was to, uh, I, I want to say it was to uh, Psychosocial by Slipknot. And it starts off with the, I did my time. <laughs> he just goes right into it. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of afraid that he's going to learn to do the horns with his hands because that's what I do. And I'm going to be like, oh, free, uh, free, you go, you go to uh, you go to a Christian school <laughs> daycare. Let's let's not throw those up right now. OK, so I definitely think I'm I'm having some success parenting with knowing that uh, free is loving himself some good music. But one one thing that that I didn't know um and I, I just I don't know why I wouldn't consider this, but now that I now that I've read this, I'm almost disappointed in myself that I didn't dub him. But many people have du have dubbed Chris Cornell as one of the chief architects of the grunge era, helped foster the movement, helped bring it to prominence, um, and and kind of opened the door and kind of laid I guess laid some of the foundation work for other successful uh, grunge era bands. I mean, one in particular being Pearl Jam. I mean, yeah. Because as we're going to get into it, I guess we can go, go ahead and get into it now. But in 1991, when Temple of the Dog was formed, uh, three of the members that started the band with Chris went on to form the band Pearl Jam. So let's not go hungry and not talk about Temple of the Dog. If any of you are familiar with, with Temple of the Dog and their most popular song, Hunger Strike, that's... Uh, one of the repeated choruses, I'm going hungry, and what a damn duo. Chris Cornell on leading vocals, and then here comes the duet with Eddie Vedder, uh, 
who later becomes the frontman of the band Pearl Jam. What a damn combination of two unique voices. You know, you've got Chris's, you know, wide vocal range. Um, and then you have Eddie just come in with, I mean, that real grungy type voice, you know. I mean, everyone's heard Pearl Jam, you know. Holy shit, I'm really letting go of some insecurities and self-consciousness in this pod, and I'm doing it all for you guys, baby. But in the early 90s, I want to, it's somewhere in between the, the period of, you know, 1990 and 1991, uh, Chris returns from his first tour uh, supporting the Soundgarden's first album. And the day he returns from his tour, his good friend and roommate, um, Andrew Wood, dies of a heroin overdose. And during the mourning process, Chris wants to honor his good friend um, by writing a couple songs and trying to collaborate with some of Andy's Andy Wood's uh, bandmates uh, in two in one of the bands that uh, that Andy was involved with. And the three bandmates that he ends up uh, collaborating with go by the name of Stone Gassard. And Jeff Ament, who were bandmates of Andy Woods in the band Mother Love Bone. And those two start working with someone by the name of Mike McCready. And so while while Temple was forming and they're starting to collaborate and they want to put out, of course, some of these tribute songs. And now they're interested in making an album. Temple, these got these four, four or five guys in Temple, Chris Cornell and these other three that we just named aren't necessarily concerned with commercial success and what the hell anyone thinks. They just want to go in and make this record, one, to honor their friend and uh, bandmate, and just to just to collaborate and put something together for the sake of doing it. Um, but during this time, uh, Gassard, Ament, and McCready are also trying to form their own band, uh, which within six months becomes as we discussed earlier, Pearl Jam, with the addition of Eddie Vedder. And later, uh, drummer Matt Cameron, who was also the drummer of, uh, of Soundgarden. But, so we talked about uh, Temple, and kind of how that, how it formed the one album, and how it helped usher in uh, the band, the famous now famous band, Pearl Jam. But now let's rewind back to 1984 briefly, and it's going to go kind of fast, but let's let's kind of turn the clock back to 1984 and talk about the formation of Soundgarden. So in 1984, uh, Chris forms the band with Hiro Yamamoto and Kim Thail. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. I think it's 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 spelled T-H-A-Y-I-L, and I want to say it's it's either pronounced Thiel, Thail, something. Uh, so I do apologize. Uh, I do apologize to him for butchering the name. Um, but let's go with Kim Thale. But as we kind of touched on briefly at the beginning of this pod, Chris originally is uh, the drummer of this band uh, and lead vocalist, which later uh, Scott Lundquist is hired and does does assume the the role of full-time drummer of Soundgarden, so Chris can focus on uh, lead vocals for the band, which I think, of course, obviously, uh, best one of the best decisions they could make. 
But Chris was doing a little, channeling a little uh, inner Phil Collins there by drumming and, and singing, you know. And I know it's more common that we probably do see, uh, if we look back, you know, in music history, we'll see a lot, even today, quite a few drummers who are singing. Um, but Phil Collins is just one of the most prominent ones in my mind, you know. Uh, I love watching the video, one of the live performances of Phil playing In the Air Tonight. And he's walking around the stage with his little headset and he's singing and and he's he's walking around pretty slowly and, and you know when the when the when the drums come in really strong and I'm like, Oh my god, is he gonna have to start running to his to his kit to play? But no, I mean obviously it's choreographed perfectly and he gets there in time. But he does the uh it's no stranger to you or me. You know, everyone everyone knows that. Uh, so the band takes takes its first form in 1984, and you know they they making some popularity in the Seattle in the Seattle area and kind of getting regional uh, regional popularity. But it's not until five years later in 1989 that they sign with their first major label. But let's actually back up one year one year previous to 1988. So in 1989, louder than love. That's Soundgarden's first album with uh, with a major label, but their debut album is uh, 1988's uh, Ultra Mega Ultra Mega OK uh, that came out uh, a year prior to that. Uh, actually, received a Grammy nomination in 1990 uh, for best metal performance. So the band is seeing is seeing almost immediate success. Uh, you know, they form, they regionally are accepted and gain popularity. Then they start, you know, hitting labels. May not be a major label, but uh, a Grammy nomination comes out of it. So then we get back to 1989's album, uh, Louder Than Love, which is is not their, of course, we just discussed in 88 was their debut album. But this is their first album that's, uh, that's recorded and released uh, with a major label. And no way, Jose, here's a screw-tightening fact for you. Uh, Kirk Hammett has said in an interview that if it wasn't for Soundgarden's uh, 1989 Louder Than Love album, he may, he may not have ever written the riff for Enter Sandman. So there we are. They have this, they've got the popularity in their region. They've got a Grammy nomination. And they're influencing one of the biggest metal bands to ever do it. And not only did they influence that band, but they influenced that band to write a song that has become, quote unquote, probably is their most popular song, uh, one that they close almost all their shows off with. I mean, they, Metallica has reach everywhere. I mean, even in baseball, uh, Mariano Rivera, the legend, the New York Yankees legend, he was a closing pitcher. And every time he'd come in when he's at home, there's Enter Sandman playing, and you know, so with Big Mo's moment, uh, him coming, him running from the bullpen to the mound. If it wasn't for Soundgarden, we may not have that. So that's that's just a that's a cool, interesting fact there, and, and just shows you the amount of influence that that uh, Chris Cornell and this band had. And if you pay attention to like metal or rock or anything in, along that genre. Uh, it's nothing but a bunch. It's really nothing but a bunch of uh, 
of hopeless romantics just finding a way to get their thoughts out in music form and adding some distorted guitar and some fast drums and some heavy ass bass licks. Um, that's a, I mean I feel that a majority of rock songs are are just love songs. People think that you know rock songs are angry or, or metal songs are angry. A lot of it's a love song. A lot of it is about women. Uh, sure, there's stuff about you know problems like drugs, alcohol, uh, hard times in life, but a lot of it is about women. Um, like one of the one of the, my favorite bands, Van Halen, right? So you have the two you have two major factions of the band. You have the Van Halen era that's with as that has David Lee Roth as the lead singer, and then you have the what people call the Van Hagar era. Which is when Sammy Hag when David Lee Roth leaves the band and Sammy Hagar takes over as the lead singer, well, Sammy Hagar just just writes a lot of love songs. I mean, and so that's that's something that people don't like Van Hagar for is because you know well Van Halen's got is too lovey dovey in their music now. Uh, but louder than love is like I said, it's released in '89. It's got some notable songs on there, pretty pretty decent songs. Uh, stuff that I would. I'd say I'd have on my phone, but I don't think that it's not one that I probably listen to all the time. It's not going to reach a lot of plays, uh, unless, of course, if I'm if I'm just in a mood where I'm just listening and it comes on, I'm probably not going to skip it. Uh, but like songs like "Hands All Over," "Loud Love," and "Big Dumb Sex," um, I think those are probably the three. Those are three of my favorites from that album. Uh, and the, one of the funny things is when I was researching this, uh, some facts about Soundgarden is, um, so Chris Cornell and the band itself, they weren't big on like glam and like glam metal. And I don't I forget what else they'd call it. I guess most of you probably know what glam metal is like the Motley Cruz. I mean, hell kiss getting into the, the kiss the way they were in the mid to late eighties um, poison, stuff like that. Uh, they weren't big into, uh, into glam metal. And actually the song Big Dumb Sex is actually a sarcasm and it's directed towards a lot of that kind of music. I guess remember now they're in the end of the eighties and they're, we're about to break into the nineties. So a lot of that style of music, that glam metal's dying just as quickly as grunge music is rising to prominence. Uh, so now you have all these people who are getting tired of glam metal, not just the bands like Soundgarden that are making music, but listeners are getting tired of it, and they're listening to this new new sound, which later turns out to be grunge, and songs like that just kind of take off. Uh, so big dumb, big dumb sex, uh, the chorus, you know, it's everything. It sounds silly, and it's because it is. Like the chorus is, "Hey, I know what to do. I'm gonna fuck." fuck, fuck, fuck you, and then they get, they go in, they repeat it, and basically, it's, it's kind of them making fun, uh, at a lot of the artists at that time, because think about it, when you, a lot of that music was about women, and having, and sex with women, and, and, uh, just a bunch of sexual, <laughs> it was just a bunch of ways to get sexual creativity out in the airwaves. So then we go to 1991, right? And so now we're three years in, and here comes the third album, Soundgarden's third album, uh, Bad Motor Finger, uh, which now we're starting to get songs where things are getting a little bit more popular. Um, 
their most popular is still yet to come. Uh, but Bad Motor Finger does bring out uh, some good some good songs. Uh, it's kind of a longer record. I mean, it's got 12 tracks on it, but it starts off with probably their best song on this record, probably most popular, is with Rusty Cage. Um, and one cool thing about Rusty Cage is if you're a fan of the Grand Theft Auto franchise, uh, in San Andreas, there's a radio station called Radio X, which is a, that's one of their uh, more modern, at the time, you know, the 90s, because I think the game is set in 1991, and um, so this song would have just come out, uh, but anyways, Rusty Cage is on Radio X, uh, which is one of the radio stations that you can uh, listen to when you're driving around in a vehicle, or in a airplane or boat or whatever so i in san andreas i would listen to uh two two radio stations the most uh one is radio x which has a bunch of like the grunge style music alternative uh newer rock at the time and then there's kdst which is the dust uh which plays a lot more classic rock and that's actually hosted the guy the dj's name in the game is called uh his name is Tommy the Nightmare Smith, but he's voiced by Axl Rose, uh, the frontman of Guns N' Roses, which I knew that pretty much right when the game came out. Uh, I think it was in the manual or something. That's back when you used to get little manuals in the game. Um, but uh, I didn't know, even though I had listened to Radio X all the time and heard Rusty Cage, I had no idea that that was Soundgarden. And I knew Chris Cornell was at the time, but I couldn't put the I couldn't put two and two together. I just knew I really liked the song, and I was like, I like that voice. It wasn't until I played the uh, the definitive edition, which was just a remastered version of all the GTA of GTA Three, Vice City, and San Andreas uh, when it came out in twenty one. That's when I realized, holy shit, that's Chris Cornell. And I was like, oh, that sound, oh, Rust, that's Rusty Cage by Sound. What the what? So. Kind of embarrassing that I didn't know that, being as big of a Chris Cornell fan as I am. But, been uh, so that game probably came out, and I shouldn't have been playing it, but it, that game came out when I was like in third or fourth grade. And uh, so that's how that's that's about how, how long I've been listening to music that he's put out. And with, and we'll find, we'll get into this later, but Audio Slave coming out in, you know, 2001 and 2002, uh, uh, I remember listening to them on on MTV in the mornings before school. You know, uh, videos like uh, "Like a Stone." Uh, what's the other song? "Show Me How to Live." Uh, we're on. We're playing at that time. So, Chris Cornell's probably been influencing me. Well, I'd say really, yeah, from the '90s, and then of course into the 2000s with Audio Slave and and some of his other projects. But this actually, this could get its own pod one day, but. Those of you who are GTA fans and you grew up playing this, the franchise like I did and still do play it, still enjoy it, I think we can all agree that if you're between the ages of 22 and, thir- I, you know, call it 23 and 32, maybe even a little bit older, uh, the GTA games and their radio stations probably influenced your taste of music more than you think. Uh I don't know what it is, but GTA always had the best fucking soundtracks. And sometimes, like, you, people even make playlists, like, on Spotify and Apple Music based on the radio stations uh, from the games. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a, uh, a V-Rock radio station playlist on Apple somewhere. Actually, I know there is because I've listened to it. Uh, so that, 
that could get its own pod just how how epic uh Rockstar makes their radio stations in GTA. Be sure to let me know in the uh uh in the uh what did you think of this episode section on Spotify. Uh, if you love GTA and you love the radio stations and the music, give me a hell yeah. But before we stop talking about Bad Motorfinger, uh, I have to definitely give some love to the song Outshined. Uh, just some pretty basic, I guess pretty basic uh, guitar riffs, but the way that the that the guitar chords match up with the with the chorus vocals just insane. I recommend guys if you if you want a good song, if you want a good workout song, Outshined by Soundgarden on Bad Motorfinger. So things are trending in the right direction uh post 1991 for Soundgarden and for Chris Cornell. Everything's going everything seems to be lining up for them, you know, they're gaining consistent it sounds like they're gaining consistent popularity. Of course they haven't they haven't really turned that corner yet. They haven't found that worldwide success. Um but in walks the year 1994, which is the best year in history because that's when your host was born. And in the year 1994, we also get uh, another Soundgarden album. Another Soundgarden album. Excuse me, I got thrown off by that siren there. Uh, last week, or the week before, was the day of people revving their engines by my house. Today's the day of sirens going by the house. But in 1994, we get the album Super Unknown. And that, on that album, has the undisputed masterpiece of a song, Black Hole Sun. And I think everyone knows the lyrics to that song now. If you've listened to this intro, uh, you can hear me completely butcher the vocals. Uh, not the lyrics, because I know the lyrics, but uh, definitely don't have the vocal range that Chris had. Um, but that's a song, if you hear it, if someone starts playing it, you're going to sing it. I could go to work tomorrow and... And tell, you know, just bust in there. Hang my head, drown my fear. Someone's gonna someone's gonna pick it up where I left off. Hopefully. Maybe maybe even some of the older guys. But let's not try it because I don't want to be the embarrassed one that, that just busts in there and they're like, shut the fuck up, I haven't had my coffee. You son of a bitch, young bucks in this damn job, y'all always so damn happy. Why can't you be miserable like us? <laughs> So another funny thing that I found when I was researching, especially uh, Bad Motorfinger, was the internet gives Soundgarden's music several different genres. Uh, those include uh, heavy metal, grunge, alternative, uh, and I saw, I, I didn't know it was real, but this, uh, stoner rock is, a, uh, is an actual, is an actual genre. Like, I could picture it, like, I know that's a thing, like, I could. I just feel that that's something that, like, you know, stoners dubbed themselves. Like, yeah, this is stoner rock. This is what we listen to. No, it's an actual genre. Uh, so I may be the only one that didn't know that. But when I was when I was uh, doing some research last night, I came across that and got a good chuckle out of it. That that could be because I was, you know, a couple beers and a glass of whiskey deep. But um, nonetheless, uh, I did find that pretty funny. And if you didn't know. Uh, Go and uh, have a day full of stoner rock. Just listen to stoner rock for a day. Uh, but Chris's, I mean, Chris's vocals and I mean everything about Black Hole Sun from the slow melodic guitar parts to his lyrics to the music video are just, uh, it's unmatched. Um, and if you, for me, I was kind of looking for what, what's the meaning of Black Hole Sun? Really, what is this song about? And... 
Chris kind of explains in in a few interviews, like it's just it's he's just being lyrical. I mean, he's just things that are rhyming. I mean, he puts them in there, and like, is there really a deep meaning? I still really don't know. Um, but I do know that I love the song, and I do know for a fact that Free loves this. My son loves this song. Uh, there's a video that I have from a couple years ago. He was probably somewhere around seven or eight. Somewhere he was at least he wasn't quite a year yet. I know that he was probably like eight or nine months somewhere in there. And we're sitting at the dinner table, and I'm casting YouTube from my phone to my TV, and Black Hole Sun is playing. And I just remember looking over to my left, and this kid is—he's not even eating. He's just mesmerized. His mouth's open. His his eyes are like half open, and they're just fixed on the TV watching the Black Hole Sun music video. And I swear he didn't blink. And at first I was like, "Oh my god, is he choking?" And then I, then I noticed I shook him, and he was like, "Huh?" He like kind of came to. So I restarted the video and see if I, I was like, "I wonder if he'll do it again." So I recorded his reaction, and sure enough, he mesmerized by it again and even to this day i think we talked about it we touched on it a little bit earlier it gives that little head bang when that song comes on so that's my boy and uh so we've harped on i've harped on black hole sun i don't know how many times i mean that's soundgarden's masterpiece how can you not you know and it's one of the most it's one of the most uh influential grunge songs grunge uh grunge era songs one of the most influential rock songs and one of chris cornell's most influential songs and so if you're wondering what is this song i've never heard this song i really don't know where the hell you've been your entire life uh but the next time you're doing something you got your headphones in or you're listening to music just put it just cue it up put it uh play it next and listen to it uh i, I don't i really can't see how you'd be disappointed but uh i've been wrong before uh, but, uh, so the last time I talked music on here, you know, I was talking about Kiss and how they couldn't find, you know, chart success and they they won't, they, the highest they ever peaked was like number seven or eight. Well, 1994's album, uh, Super Unknown debuts at number one on the Billboard 200. And so it's a solid album and it gains popularity, it gets worldwide popularity. And it's not like it's just a one hit wonder. I mean, it's not like it's just a... Black Hole Sun carries the whole thing. Um, the one of the other good songs and one of the most popular uh, Soundgarden songs is "Fell on Black Days," which I actually have to give credit to Sirius XM, uh, Sirius XM Turbo to be specific uh, for showing me that. Um, when I got my wife's car, her newest car, a couple years ago, you know, we got the Sirius XM thing, and uh, we she listens to it. She listens to Turbo all the time, so I just continue to pay for it. Um, and Turbo plays a lot of uh, the best rock and metal from the 90s and 2000s. I listen to the damn radio station so much. I, I know what the ad is. I know what they're. Uh, I know what it. What they say every morning. So my wife gets up before me, and she does her hair and uh, blow dries her hair and does her makeup and all that stuff. Which she doesn't wake up the kid, but she'll she can she'll wake me up, which is crazy. So I don't even have to set an alarm anymore. I just. I hear the damn Welcome back to Sirius XM Turbo Hard Rock of the 1990s and 2000s And I'm like, fuck, I'm already late for work So she'll come in the room and she'll start You know, she's a very she's a very big morning person And I'm not And uh, she's like, oh my god We're gonna go to Target today after work And then we're gonna buy Freely this Easter basket And all the while 
Sirius XM Turbo is playing in the background, right? And I can't hear it over her talking. And I guess she can hear it. And the one band she cannot stand, which I agree with her, I, I hate the band Tool, and she hates it. So she'll be talking to me in the middle of the sweet voice. Now we're going to go to Target. We're going to go to Bill Matthew on. And then I need some new shoes. And, and then here comes Tool starting. And it's like her head goes all the way. She does the little Exorcist 360. You can hear the, you can hear the neck crack. And she just runs over and turns out. She's like, I fucking hate Tool. Goes from that sweet little angelic voice to fuck Tool. And she only ever gets that voice with like one or two things in life. One is when Tool's on. Two is when she's dead ass asleep and she's been asleep for two hours. And I come stumbling in the bedroom after playing PS4 and I turn the fan down from uh, hangar, uh, airport hangar down to the mid-level. She's been dead asleep and she can she can feel when that fan comes down one notch and she just kind of... It's a wonderful day for our nexism, isn't it, babe? If you don't turn on the fucking fan. Man, so if you don't get a new episode next week, it's because she killed me or the demon in her uh, drug me to hell after listening to this segment. <laughs> so Chris Chris continues to find success with Soundgarden. And in 1996, they released their final album, uh, Down on the Upside, which is another, I mean, another solid album. This is a band that, I mean, with a lyrics with a lyricist like Chris Cornell, how can you not succeed? And like I like I said earlier, everything he touches just turns to gold. Um, so they released that out down on the um, down on the upside. Uh, start off fucking strong again. I mean, the first song, uh, pretty noose, solid. Um, then you got the songs, uh, blow up the, the blow up. God dang it, why can't I speak right now? Blow Up the Outside World, and then Burden uh, Burden in My Hand is probably my favorite song on this album. Uh, so the album does well, too. Uh, this album debuts at number two on the Billboard 200 um, and eventually goes platinum, So and then they kick off a world tour. So, I mean, continued success, right? I mean, Soundgarden is kicking ass. You know, where's Soundgarden today? Well, after the next year... Soundgarden decides to disband in the year 1997. Uh, Chris and other band members kind of citing that uh, the band became more of a business and the business took precedent over the band. So now you have, I mean, it's kind of the, the eight, the, just the same old story when it comes to rock bands or any bands or any musical group or anyone that rises to fame in a group. Uh, you find success, tensions flare, you get some ego involved, and you mix in probably some depression, alcohol, and drug usage, and tensions just kind of, tensions rise and they don't ever get resolved, and so the band decides to call it quits and they disband. So everyone goes their separate ways, and of course, you know, by this time, all the Temple guys, you know, Pearl Jam is now formed, and and they're they're kicking ass and making waves and and they're rocking and rolling no pun intended uh so chris embarks on a solo on a solo career from between uh 1997 and 2000 2001 um but it but then it's he talks about a little bit in his biography you know during this time his depression creeps up again and starts to take a toll on him and then enter you know multiple addictions and substance abuse and uh, one of the most prominent addictions he was having at the time was uh, his addiction to Oxy. So here he is. He's 
had this band and he that was successful. It's gone. His first marriage is failing. He's got substance abuse issues. He's depressed. It is not it is not a good time for Chris Cornell. And it's it just this is what's crazy about depression is so we do we know that, you know, he didn't he didn't die. He didn't pass away until 2017, but so he gets over he he does find success and and kind of becomes victorious over this depression, but it's always there and somehow it crept up on him again after years of success and love and family and he still succumbed to it. And that's that's just so crazy and that's what's so eye-opening about Chris Cornell for me is you just you can never turn your back on depression. You can't you can't just turn a blind eye to it. Um you never know. I mean, you never know what what someone's dealt with, what they're going through, what's going through their mind. Um because you can tell them you're fine, you'll snap out of it, and then they're gone. In the year 1996, he actually did an interview. I can't remember. I don't. I don't think I have who it was with, but uh, Chris is is quoted saying, you know, he knows, and this is in '96. He knows what it's like to be hopeless and to feel suicidal. And then again in 1999, he he talks about depression and depression in another interview, and he says. You know, no one really knows what run-of-the-mill depression is. You think someone has run-of-the-mill depression, and then the next thing you know, they're hanging from a rope. It's hard to tell the difference, but I do feel that depression can be useful. Sometimes it's just chemical. It doesn't seem to come from anywhere, and whenever I've been in any kind of depression, I've over the years tried not to imagine what it feels like to not be there, but tried to remind myself that I could just wake up the next day and it could be gone because that happens, and not to worry about it. And at the same time, when I'm feeling great, I remember the depression and think about the differences in what I'm feeling and why I would feel that way. And not be reactionary one way or the other. You just have to realize that these are patterns of life and you just go through them. God, reading that, I just if I I just wish I could tell him like it's gonna pass. It's gonna you're gonna get through it, buddy. You're gonna get through it. And but I mean I never of course I've never met him, I don't know him. But, you know, we all know how the story ends and it just, it's just no amount of success, money, fame can cure it. And I just, it's mind boggling to me. And I think we've lost not only in, in, in Chris, but Chester and many more, you know, we've lost such good, such just pure talents and just good people due to something that uh, is so easily discounted. And the next thing he touches doesn't just go it goes platinum i mean it what happens is so in the year 2000 uh hopefully most of you if not all of you are are um familiar with who rage against the machine is uh so in the year 2000 or 2001 uh zach de la rosa the uh lead singer of rage against the machine decides to quit the band uh i think he claims another Something kind of similar, you know, there's a breakdown in the band's decision-making process or something with uh, maybe going in different directions. I'm not completely sure. I'll have to dig into more of Rage, Rage Against the Machine facts and lore. And lore. Uh, but so Zach steps away from Rage, and the other three members, uh, which include names as such as Tim Comerford, Brad Wilk, and the one and only Tom Morello, uh, they're trying to continue the band, and they they're trying to continue, and they don't know is it going to be another version of Rage? Are we just going to find someone to replace him, and just 
continue as Rage? Or are we going to try to rebrand? What's We don't really know. We just, we just know we want to continue. And so they, they don't necessarily want to sign another uh, rapper-type uh, lead singer like Zach was. Um, but uh, they get Notion, I think it's from one of their managers or someone, it's a fr- someone close to the band says, hey, uh, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden's available. And almost immediately, uh, do they do they just hit it off and uh, basically strike gold? I mean, it's just who it's like you could put them with any band, and it's like you're the guy we've been looking for. You know, it's almost like Chris is one of those guys who just you've never met him in your life, but it's like the chemistry's always been there. So uh, from this and from all this chemistry, Audio Slave is born which uh, I'm a huge audio slave fan, huge. And if you're, if you're somewhere in my age, you know, I'm 29, if you're give or take, you know, five years on either side, uh, over or under, you're probably, you've definitely heard audio slave before. You, and hopefully you like audio slave. I haven't really met many people that don't like audio slave. I mean, you've got one of the best guitar players to ever pick up a guitar with one of the best uh, vocalists to ever do it. And all have a track record of being in, I mean, all all four members have a track record of being in a band, a group that's had worldwide success. So what's funny is in the year 2002, so they're they're together, they're kind of mixing songs and they're and they're trying to find what's going to work. Well, they get booked for 2002's Ozfest, and uh, but they don't have a name, <laughs> they don't have a name, and they don't have an album or a or a tour, you know. They're just going to perform, and it's like, oh, fuck, what are we going to perform? We don't even have a name. We don't even have a date to release whatever the fuck it is we're going to release. But if I'm not mistaken, I don't think that they play OzFest. Uh, That could be wrong if someone knows. Of course, if you know that information and I have that wrong, uh, hit me up, let me know. Uh, Be sure to to, uh, hit up the uh, Q&A. Are uh, in post in the interact section and say, "Hey, dumbass! They did play, and this is what they played because I was there." Um, but I want to say that there was like a rumor or something that the band broke up. Cause, like, I think it was like it was some kind of high drama, like right when they form. Oh, they, you know, Chris Cornell and Rage are gonna form Audio Slave, and then oh wait, no, there something happened. But it was, I think, if I can remember correctly, it was a miscommunication too, like. It was a small. It w- maybe wasn't a major difference as people thought. Is so that people immediately jumped to oh no they broke up, which they and they may not have. Uh, regardless, uh, there was some high drama, but they ended up uh, clearing clearing the air and went forward with uh, forming Audio Slave, which Audio Slave is probably what I what I know Chris Cornell for most because I mean. Yes, Chris Cornell was successful with Soundgarden in the 90s, but, you know, I was born in 94, and, you know, the first, up until 97, that makes me only three years old, and, you know, I really start recalling stuff around 4 or 5, I guess, and so that's right around the the, the time when he forms Audio Slave, so yeah, how it was for me in my house when I was growing up, so I was the youngest of the of the kids living in the home, in the house, in the home, like I was, like I was living in some kind of orphanage. Uh, so, uh, by default, I was the one who had to get up first, take a shower, get dressed, and be ready for school. Right? That's just how it was. You know, me and my brother shared a room, and it was always, "Get up! You're the one that you gotta get up first, so I can, so I can stay asleep." So I was, I, 
I just always remember eating breakfast in front of the TV while everyone's running around getting ready for school. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much watching either the local news or MTV, uh, depending on if my mom left the, the remote available. Uh, and so I just remember a lot of music videos like Audio Slays, uh, Show Me How to Live, uh, Like a Stone, uh, and a lot of other stuff from that time period. But like I said, I mean, Audio Slave, that, that is gold to me. I mean, that... I, I love that period of Chris Cornell and Tom Rello and everybody in that group. I mean, they put out some bangers, some absolute bangers. I mean, stuff that I'm still listening to today. So, anyways, uh, 2002 rolls around, you know, when they have their whole debacle. Well, finally in September, they're going to release their first. Uh, they're going to release their first single. The first single is called Cochise, uh, which is spelled C-O-C-H-I-S-E, and. <laughs> Uh, for the longest time, my dumbass was calling it cockeyes. <laughs> well, it's until I realized what the that it was named after, and I think an, uh, an Apache, a famous Apache Indian, uh, Cochise. Um, and when I, I, it wasn't very long ago when I found that out. So I'm trying to recount all of my past conversations. I'm like, man, I'm hoping I wasn't in like a group of people. And I was like, yeah, I fucking love the song Cockeyes. And I'm like, what, what the hell is he listening to? Who's cockeyed? Uh, but in that first single, you know, you, you get, you just get a glimpse again of his vocal talent. Um, I mean, and it's not like the lyrics are like in some made up language or some kind of hard English to speak, but it's the notes he hits how consistent and how long he holds them and how and just how natural his voice sounds when he when he sings like I mean how Kochi starts you know well I've been watching I mean listen to me it sounds like shit but when Chris does it I make mean, it sound it sounds great and I'm sure you know they have you know in the studio they could mix and make it sound good but I I mean I've watched some of his live performances and he sounds no different now I really <laughs> I was like, man, I should just continue to sing the whole fucking song. Yeah, I got it. No, no, I, I want to gain listeners, not lose them. <laughs> man, did you hear that that idiot's podcast where all he does is sing shittily all through the episodes? So by the end of 2002, I want to say it's like right before the year ends, uh, the debut album, uh, the debut self-titled album, Audio Slave, is released. And uh, I want to say it enters within the top 10 of the Billboard uh, 200 again. I mean, shit, man. If I was a musician and Chris was still alive, if I wanted to find success, how do I get Chris Cornell to sing on my record? How? Because if he does, then I'm going to be in the top 10 of the Billboard charts. I mean, that's what it's like. And that that's just the talent, influence, and legacy this guy had. Uh, has. Uh, still. Even after death. Um... And, that, I mean, this first album is just, it's loaded. You know, you have Cochise, which I'm not going to sing again. Uh, Show Me How to Live, which is a badass music video, which is another one that me and Free can watch and listen to all the time. Uh, I Am the Highway. And, of course, uh, everyone, everyone's got to have heard Like a Stone. Uh, just, a, just a badass song. I remember that's another music video. Um which I'm pretty sure I've already said that, but it's another music video that I'd watch all the time. I still watch it, actually. Um, and I'm actually working on trying to draw up 
I'm not very creative. I'm not very artistic. Um, it, I have a tattoo idea for, for the lyrics to that song. Um, you know, when Chris says, uh, in dreams until my death, I'll wander on. Uh, so I, I kind of want, want to use some of those lyrics on a tattoo uh, to remember my uncle. I just don't know exactly the kind of artwork that I'm going to use um, or that I would even try to use. Uh, anyways, so within the first week of release of that uh, of that album, uh, it sells just under 200 copies and is certified gold within one week. Gold within one week. And then, of course, you know, by, I think, 2006, a year before the band, this band calls it quits, it's certified triple platinum. And here's the funny thing, we kind of got, we kind of touched on this with, with the Kiss episodes, but... So the album does so successful and has success and and is received well by the fans, but it gets mixed reviews from critics, and it make it just makes you wonder like, do music critics do they just shit on people just to shit on them? Are they paid to do it, or do they not know what the fuck they're talking about, or does the public just love shitty ass music, and we're not cultured like these music critics are? Who knows? Maybe it's a little bit of everything. And actually, around the time that this album was being made and released, Chris checks into rehab, and he cites that, uh, you know, he was, it kind of goes back to, you know, town garden ending, um, his separating uh, with his first wife. So all those challenges with the, with the creeping depression coming back and, and then the substance use and addiction, uh, even with this newfound success and, and, uh, and project that he knows is going to be a success, he still decides that this is this is what he needs to do. And eventually, I think in the next year or two following the release of the album, he ends up being able to. I, th- I think he quits drinking. I know he he's sober. He quits drinking, and then I want to say I found somewhere that he said he quit smoking too. Um, but I mean, he had checked in for a reason, and he did find some. He did find success in sobriety. So Audio Slave has, you know, releases the album and has success. They go on tour, they play festivals, they I want to say they have a they have a like a clubs tour where they do a, a line of clubs and they end up taking a little break too in between um, in between albums to give them time uh, you know for themselves, to have have some have some downtime and then get ready for the next album. Which in 2005, that's what we get. We get uh, Out of Exile, which is another solid album with with some some pretty good uh, some pretty good songs. Uh, the song Be Yourself, uh, probably my favorite on that album. Uh, probably the most popular too. The most uh, most played on the radio out of this album, probably. Uh, if there's any song that I don't mention from these albums that you guys like that you know, uh, feel free to let me know. Uh, like if you don't think Be Yourself, like for instance, if you don't think Be Yourself is the best one from uh, Out of Exile, uh, let me know which one yours is. Or let me know which one, which uh, Audio Slave is your favorite song or what your favorite Chris Cornell song is. So I just asked you about three or four questions in one. Let me know one, you know, Chris Cornell, uh, let me know Audio Slave song, whatever. Um, uh, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear what you guys think about this. Um and then in 2005, and I want to say this is in May of 2005, uh, the band plays a free show in Havana, Cuba. In Havana, Cuba. Oh, I almost said Cuba. I've been watching too much Scarface. I, played in the, I saw the band Ariel Slave play in Havana, Cuba. 
I wanted to tell that Hassa Castro, fuck you. I mean, and this is when Castro is still, you know, Fidel Castro is still uh, ruling the ruling the island. Um, and I want to say the band had to front up their own money, like a million dollars. And I think this was a, uh, the United States government had to get involved to make this thing happen. So it's a big deal. Uh, not only is it the first concert in socialist country Cuba, uh, but it's a free concert too. And I want to say the venue that <laughs> the venue that they used itself was created to hold protests against the United States government. Uh, so definitely took some serious balls uh, and some guts to do this and to see it through and not just quit on it, but so like they made it up that they wanted to do it and they saw it through and got it done. Uh, so if you guys, if you haven't checked it out, uh, I mean, look it up on YouTube. I'm sure you could find, uh, you could find some footage of that concert. Uh, it's, and, and it's actually, I think it's an album too. I think it's just called Live in Cuba. So look that up, guys. I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Uh, let me know if you look it if you look it up and you you listen to it and you enjoy it. Uh, let me know. Hit me up. Uh, Facebook comments, Twitter, Q and A's, uh, polls, whatever it is. I mean, interact and let me know. And uh, whatever whatever you guys share with me, I'll I'll be sure to give you a shout out on the next episode and tell you, hey, so and so checked it out and they said they loved it and they've downloaded some some uh, some uh, Soundgarden or other Chris Cornell songs. So in 2006, uh, Audio Slave, Audio Slave uh, releases their last album, Revelations, which is, I mean, how many times do I have to say it? It's a solid album, damn it. You know, you could take the words right out of my mouth. So a solid album. But the one thing I want to talk about uh, about this album is the, the ad campaign to kind of sell the album. Uh, so if you're not familiar with, with Audio Slave's logo, it's like a little, it's like a flame, right? And uh, so this is 2006. And kind of like if you're me, if you're my age or whatever age you are i'll just kind of speak directly to how you know what i was doing at that time so i was in middle school i was in like sixth or seventh grade right and uh we used to mess around with google earth a lot and so there was a marketing campaign where if you if you got on google earth there was a and you rotated the earth there was actually a island in the shape of the little audio slave flame uh in support of this album and support of the band but uh, the next year in 2007, uh, the band the band disbands and breaks up. And, you know, at first there's a lot of, you know, well, Tom says that I would that Chris didn't communicate well uh, about leaving the band. You know, Chris had uh, another had another had more ideas to go do another solo career again. And, um, you know, then Chris says, well, no, we did communicate. We're just. We're not getting along and uh, maybe not in terms of like we're fighting all the time, but we're not getting along as where we want what we know with this where this band is going to go. And so the band breaks up and then years, you know, I think in 2012, four or five years later, Chris can kind of be a little bit more honest about what's going on. And, and it's kind of what we touched on, you know, a lot of the issues that he was going through at the formation, the time of the formation of uh of this band never really got resolved and so it just it's like putting a band-aid on uh you know on a wide open wound you know you you may stop some bleeding but i mean you gotta you gotta stitch the wound and so luckily you know for the time being chris did do that later after he left audio slave but uh, unfortunately we still did lose him um but 
in 2017, uh, for the first time in 12, oof, over 10 years, I know that, they per, they did reunite and, and put on a show in January. And I think it was rumored that, you know, Audio Slave was going to get back together uh, after, maybe after Soundgarden's, because uh, Soundgarden was on tour at the time. And uh, after that, after that ended, maybe Audio Slave was going to get together and, and, uh, and tour again or make a new record. I, I'm, it's not something that they, that Chris had ever uh, said was that could never happen again. He just had a lot of stuff going on, you know, with, you know, Soundgarden with like we just talked about the Soundgarden tour and reunion. Uh, he was still doing his solo stuff because he Chris does a lot of he put out a lot of good solo stuff in the in the 2010s. Um, and so it's unfortunate that we never got to explore that. So if that was in 2017, that puts us with six years ago. I mean, we could right now be in the middle of, of, of a second, a second wave of new audio slave music, and I just can't imagine what that would sound like. Oh my goodness! Like, so Avenged Sevenfold just put out a new is putting out a new album this year. They just released their first single. I mean, Metallica put out a new album. Uh, I would love to see a tour. I would have loved to have seen a tour with. You know, bands like Metallica, Avenged Sevenfold, Audio Slave, maybe, or you know, Slipknot is still is still very active and still they just put out a new record last year, uh, the In So Far, which is really good. If you're into metal, if you're into if you're into Slipknot stuff like that, give that if you haven't already, give that give that a listen. Um, but I would love to. Ah, man, I just feel so robbed of a potential opportunity that's what sucks about when you get older you know all these bands that were popular when we were kids when we didn't have any money or access to any adult money we could never go see these bands and now that we're older either people have passed away or they don't get along and they're not together anymore and you can't go see them uh that's kind of how i feel about audio slave or chris cornell in general like i would have loved to have gone and seen him in, in concert uh, so when I was living in Stephenville, and I think this is the year 2016, so I was in college. Uh, I worked at HEB, and one of my buddies that I worked with named Ira, uh, he knew I was a Chris Cornell fan and an Audio Slave fan uh, just by listening to the same the music I listened to. And so one day we were over at his house after work, and we were drinking a couple Kurs Light Kurs Lights. And uh, he showed me this uh, this uh, acoustic performance that Chris does for Sirius XM, and it's a uh, he's performing uh, a cover of "Nothing Compares to You," uh, the Shanae O'Connor version. Uh, not the, I mean, we give credit to Prince too. I mean, that's Prince's song. But uh, this is uh, Chris's version. Is definitely. Uh, gives you the Shanae O'Connor vibes there. Um, but he absolutely knocks it out of the park. And it just, I love, I still listen to it. I'll still watch their performance. Um, I mean, he knocks it out of the park and, I mean, hits the high notes. I mean, his voice is, is spot on, man. And, and it's crazy because he's playing, you know, he's playing the rhythm acoustic. He's playing the acoustic guitar. He's playing the rhythm. And he's just sitting there, his legs across. He's playing, he's singing. And I'm just thinking, like, how talented do you have to be? Like, if I was sitting like that, I could play and sing. I, I would say, just like everything else we've pretty much talked about today, uh, if you haven't, if there's anything that you're going to check out from today's episode, guys, if there's one thing it is, 
check out Chris Cornell's acoustic uh, version of Nothing Compares to You uh, in the SiriusXM studios. It is awesome. If uh, if you're hurting, Linda, <laughs> like uh, Dwight Yoakam from Sling Blade, I'm hurting, Linda. If you're hurting, if someone did you wrong, or if, you, if, <laughs> if you're just in a sad mood, put that son of a bitch on. And if you don't cry, I'll give you five bucks. No, just kidding. Uh, but if there's one thing that you guys look up today from today's episode, it'd be that video. Watch that performance and give it a listen. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And of course, please let me know if you do it. I want to hear. I want to hear what you think. Um, so we've talked about you know how how close uh, Chris Cornell and uh, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park were. Uh, in the year 2007, so this is after this is post Audio Slave, you know. Uh, Chris is on a solo tour, and Lincoln Park's on tour. Uh, so Chris is gonna perform uh, "Hunger Strike" by uh, uh, that he perf- that he made with uh, Temple of the Dog, and so when he's doing this, uh, he's singing and and he's talking about he's gonna need some help on this one, and out comes Chester Bennington. Now, think about where you are. Think about who you are in 2007, right? If you're, if you're a young cat, you're probably in school. If you're a little bit older, maybe you're about my age now, so I don't... No, no judgment, no judgment. You can't pick and choose when you're born. Uh, but for me, so 2007, I'm in either 8th grade. Yeah, I'm in 8th grade. I'm, in eighth, uh, I'm either in the second half of my 7th grade year or I'm in the first part of my 8th grade year or whatever. Uh, so, but I'm listening to these, you know, Chris, Audio Slave, Chester, and Lincoln Park. I'm listening to all of them heavy, and they're just releasing, they're releasing songs left and right. And I want to say this is right around the Transformers era too. So, um, Lincoln Park is finding some other success with soundtrack for that movie. Um, but uh, 12, 13 year old Jose would absolutely lose his fucking mind. If I went to a concert, for one, if my parents let me go to a concert, and two, if I went to a Chris Cornell concert, now walks Chester fucking Bennington, and they perform Hunger Strike together, and and just as good as as uh, just as good vocals as uh, as Chris has, I mean, think about Chester is can match that, and if not, go even uh, be even better sometimes. And if you're not familiar with the song Hunger Strike, you know, you know, the part that's that's like, I'm going hungry. Well, in the back, uh, Chris is 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 really hitting the high notes on hungry. You know, I, I can't do it. Uh, so he kind of lets Chester take that high spot. I mean, it sounds fucking awesome. Uh, and Chris has done a good job of in his solo career uh, covering a lot of other songs popular songs you know not just nothing compares to you but he does a cover of uh patience by guns and roses um which is which is another you know like i said you know like i said earlier with rock music it's another love song really all we need is just a little patience oh and chris even another thing that speaks to his his range and his talent he also he uh he's featured on a zach brown band song uh called uh, Heavy is the Head, which was released in 2015. And if you guys aren't familiar, Zach Brown Band Zach Brown Band is a country is a is a country band, country music band. Uh and you know and they're not the most country, you know, out there. They they kinda have a little 
you know, they have a little rock uh, foundation to them. They're a little bluesy, I guess. But um, but anyways, Chris comes on and, you know, that it takes a bit of, it, it just brings you back to a little bit of like grungy type, you know, there in the beginning when that little bass riff hits and then Chris's uh, vocal start. Uh, it's actually, I'm not actually a very big fan of Zach Brown Band at all. Nothing against them, they're just not my type of music. You know, I listened to Chicken Fry, I don't know how many times on the way to school with my mom in ninth grade, so I'm about tapped out. And uh, when I was in football practice, one of the one of the tools I used to play with, and I'll call him a tool, I won't, I won't say who it was, he was just a dick. And uh, he was a tool, I mean, <laughs> just, it is what it is, you know, I... I can't be nice. I, I can try to be nice to everyone, but I don't have to like everybody. Okay, maybe maybe I'm a tool compared to some other people. Who who gives a shit? Anyways, uh, I got tired of during football practice him singing fucking "I got my nose in the water, ass in the sand." I'm all and you got your ass on the bench. <laughs> um, but uh, so not a big Zach Brown band fan. Um, you know, I don't hate them. I just I'm not. I'm not gonna go out and seek them, uh, but in this in this case, uh, heavy is the head. Uh, it, I have it downloaded uh, solely because of Chris Cornell, and it's it's a damn good song. So, give that a listen. If you're a Zach Brown fan, Zach Brown band fan, I do apologize. Uh, if I need to, if I need to add some culture to my life and give them a shot, please let me know. Folks, that is gonna be that is gonna bring us to the conclusion of. The seventh episode of All Screws Loose Thoughts Unhinged. Guys, we're coming up on being together for almost two months. Eight straight weeks of being together, putting together this content, and putting it out for you guys, and you guys interacting and just supporting and showing up and hitting play. It fucking means the world to me. Literally, I've had a coworker tell me, Are you going to stop talking about your podcast? Fuck no, I'm not, man. You don't know how important it is to me. Like, the you guys i mean you guys make getting through sometimes a shit shift at work uh you make it so bearable because i think of i I have ideas coming of what i can share with you guys and then i get notifications hey you've got new likes you've got so and so commented someone's who voted on your poll that means the fucking world to me guys and i cannot wait until we get the Facebook page to 200 followers because I can't wait to do another giveaway with you guys. Um, so continue to share it. Find the podcast on uh, on on Apple Music, Spotify. Share it with everybody. Share it with your mother. Share it with your father. Uh, share it with your neighbor, you know. Uh, pour, Open up a drink and uh, or do whatever you do um, and just enjoy the show, guys. Uh feedback guys let me know if there's something you want to hear that we haven't discussed please let me know that i i would love to uh to get ideas more ideas outside of what i already have for episodes and make that for you guys uh if if some of y'all are like i'd like you to do this and then you hear it and you're like oh man hell yeah i appreciate you listening uh please let me know um make sure that uh if you guys haven't already uh like the facebook page uh, follow the show. Find it on Twitter if you're on Twitter. It's uh, All Screws Loose, uh, T-U. The only thing missing is the E in screws. So it's A-L-L-S-C-R-W-S and the word loose and then the letters T and U on Twitter. Uh, you can find my link tree uh, on the Facebook page. It has a link to all the socials. Uh, so check it out, guys. 
Um, I just can't thank you guys enough for everything you've done. I mean, in this week alone, we've had the shows had fifty plays. I mean, we've crushed the two hundred play goal, uh, and I and I hope that you guys continue to love and and have fun with the show. Uh, if you haven't already, check out last week's episode, guys. Last week's pod, I had uh, the Too Drunk to Theory host uh, shipping kit, and we had a blast. The only thing I wish I could change is, God, it was so poorly mixed, and I don't know what the fuck was going on with my input and output. Oh, it, it drove me insane. Uh, but I couldn't let that content go to waste, and so I do, if you guys have braved through that episode, uh, I do appreciate it and do apologize for the poor mix, guys. I I've got it figured out now where it's not going to happen. I've got the my input and output fixed. Uh, so when I hook up multiples again, multiple microphones and headphones, we're not going to have that issue. Um, but guys, the conversation with those two, uh, those are some good guys, and they've got a good they've got good content on their pod. Uh, Too drunk to theory. Find them on Spotify and Facebook. I mean, we just we just fed off of each other left and right, and we had a ton of laughs, a ton of laughs, guys. Uh, that's not going to be the last time that I'm on that they're on my show and uh, check them out guys if you're into paranormal or true crime too drunk to theory on Spotify give them a give them a listen uh, the episode that I recorded a few weeks ago with them is going to be released where we just kind of talk about some of our old work experiences together and how uh, <laughs> shared about how, how, how much of laughs we had in such a shitty work environment and not to toot my own horn here, but they kind of touched on how the morale and attitude kind of went down a little bit after I left. But guys, uh, I so appreciate you guys being here. Uh, I can't wait to see y'all's interaction with this episode, and I hope that we can continue to grow, everybody. And everyone have a. I hope everyone had a good Easter weekend. Uh, hope you ate some good food. Uh, personally, tonight I'm going to be. Uh, grilling up a nice tomahawk steak. It's going to be my first tomahawk ribeye that I've ever cooked. Um, so I'm hoping that comes out well and I'm hoping everyone had a good holiday and I hope everyone's uh, I hope everyone's just being safe. I hope y'all are having fun. So guys uh, so long from All Screws Loose Thoughts Unhinged. I will see you guys next week. Have fun. Be safe. Love you guys. Nail in my head from my creator, you gave me a life, now show me how to live.